On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're diving into the Oklahoma City Thunder being well represented at the FIBA World Cup tournament, grading this tournament run. Plus, we have the details on a new arena in downtown Oklahoma City, why this is a great thing for Thunder basketball. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by Jace Medical, we are diving into the new arena situation for the Oklahoma City Thunder in grading the FIBA World Cup run for the Thunder players who participated. Today's show is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with the personal supply of five antibiotics to treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. So thank you so much for making us your first listen. We're back uh, on Lockdown Thunder, going to be five days a week from this point forward all the way through the next season. So we had a little bit of a break, but now we are back. So cannot wait to get this season underway. It's going to be the most exciting season uh, of Lockdown Thunder since I've taken over. So make sure you subscribe anywhere you get your podcast from and on YouTube. You can also text the show 405-963-3686. Folks, we do have the new arena proposal it is finally here. There were rumblings of this uh, in the previous summers. Uh, this summer, we, we knew a plan was coming, and now the plan is here. This plan for the new arena projects to cost $900 million. The Thunder Ownership Group will be putting in $50 million. $70 million will come from Maps for Project, and this arena is set to open on number four, the 2029-30 season, I would just stick with the 2029-30 NBA season as when this thing will open up. But the big key here with this new arena comes a new lease, and the Thunder would be willing to sign a massive long-term lease that would keep the Thunder in OKC through 2050. Through 2050, if this uh, is approved. The vote to approve this will be on December 12th, if you're wondering if you can vote on this, it's just based on your utilities and trash, like who you who you pay to, to, to get those services. If you are paying the city of Oklahoma City to do those things, you can then vote in this proposal. Uh, so while it's not a tax uh, raise, it is a tax extension. So you can argue those are one and the same, but it will just keep the same one cent tax for the benefit of building this $900 million a state-of-the-art facility arena that will be owned by the city of Oklahoma City. And also, of course, the Thunder will be tenants of it through 2050. Look, in my opinion, this is a great deal. I think unbiasedly, this is the best possible deal a market like the, the Oklahoma City market is going to be able to get. 
I totally understand that $50 million is nothing in the grand scheme of 900 million. It is a drop in the bucket and it, it doesn't sound like a lot and it's probably not a lot, but the truth is it is more than the thunder have to do. It is more than the thunder uh, need to do, uh, frankly, because the city of Oklahoma city needs the thunder a lot more than the thunder need Oklahoma city. The thunder have all the leverage in this scenario. So the fact that they're even willing to do the 50 million without, without a public fight should be uh, applauded a little bit. And so it comes down to the Thunder holding all of that leverage. A vote no on December 12th would effectively end the Thunder in Oklahoma City. The Thunder current lease was a short-term extension, which runs through 2026. At that point, with no new arena, the Thunder would be bolting for a, a new city in all likelihood. There's 18 markets that are larger than Oklahoma City who do not have an NBA team and have arenas that are ready to go or the willingness to build a, a brand new arena in the short term. So that's the bottom line. That is just the, the place that we're at. And, and it's not going to, it's not going to be this utopic idea where the billionaire owners build the stadiums in a market like this, you're going to have to do most of it. Now in a market like, you know, uh, San Francisco and Philadelphia, they have the benefit of the city owning the leverage. In this scenario, the team owns the leverage. So this is still a historic moment for the Thunder and for the city of Oklahoma City because Oklahoma City has been building arenas in downtown Oklahoma City for years and years and years with zero dollars from uh, an entity like the Thunder. Tulsa built the BOK Center with zero, you know, input from a from a professional team. So, uh, you know, with zero kind of a donation, so to say, from a professional team. So like, this is still historic and still great. And the $50 million, while it's not a lot, uh, it's more than they had to do leverage wise. To me, this is not worth the fight. And when I say that, I say, no one's going to change their mind. You either think this is a great idea and a great deal, or you think that this is not good. And no matter what I say, you're not going to change your opinion. There is no calling each other's bluff. There is no utopic and ideal world. The bottom line is uh, this is not a market that is going to get a privately funded stadium. And so if you truly do not think that the Thunder have changed Oklahoma City for the better, and if you truly do not think that the Thunder remaining here would continue to change the city for the better, I personally strongly disagree with you. But okay, then vote then vote no on this, and we'll see what happens to this city once this NBA team leaves. Because if the Thunder leave, there is no professional team beating down the door to replace them until we sign and, and, and approve new facilities. And that would be without the $50 million contribution, which you can say is nothing, but it's still $50 million that you no longer have to uh, get yourself. Because no NHL team is taking on Paycom Center. There is no MLB-level stadium. There are no NFL-level facilities, from practice facilities to, to offices to stadiums. So the bottom line is, if it's important to you to be a big league city, then you have to vote yes on this. And if you want to grandstand and think that these taxes should go to more noble causes, that's fine too. And, and you can certainly make that argument that these taxes would be, would be better off in different places in Oklahoma City. But I would be interested to track. I'd be very, very, very interested to track if this fails. Truly, what are these taxes going to go to in actuality, if not to a new arena? So, again, there is no fight. And I'm not going to be talking about this a ton on this podcast because there's nothing to say. There's, there's nothing to change anyone's mind. 
you either think that this is great or think that the billionaire owner should be paying for their entire stadiums. And if you think that way, that's okay. You can take that stand and I'm not going to fight you on taking that stand. It's just the correlation of that. The, the, the tra chain reaction of that is you will lose your professional team in Oklahoma city. And if you don't care about that, that's well within your right not to care. That's well within your right to vote. No, that's well within your right to hold that opinion. But I think that what the Thunder have brought to Oklahoma City to legitimize this city and help boom this city uh, is worth it to keep them around through 2050. But just like what happened in Seattle, if you don't vote for the new stadium, they'll leave. Just like what's happening in Oakland right now with the A's, if you don't vote for the new stadium, they'll leave. The owners are never going to come have a come-to-Jesus meeting with all their leverage as businessmen and say, well, since they didn't vote for us to have a stadium, I'm just going to build it myself. No, I'm going to go find the, the market that will say yes. And spoiler alert, there's always going to be a market that will say yes. There's always going to be a market that wants professional sports to legitimize their city, to help them grow, to help them be um, you know, a, a fixture of their state. And as another spoiler alert, voting no to this, having the Thunder leave, is not going to take building new arenas off the docket in Oklahoma City. It just makes it harder to do and just makes it more futile. Because even with a brand new arena, it's not as though, again, that you're going to be, be as easily to convince a professional team to take, take place in that arena. Again, BOK Center has been in Tulsa for a long time. There's no professional sports team in BOK Center of any legitimacy. They have the indoor arena football league thing, like the C-tier indoor arena football, whatever that is. But still, it just, vote yes or no, it doesn't truly um, you know, matter what I say, but that's just the opinion I have on this deal. I would vote yes on this. I would think that um, the, the benefits to this arena, the benefits to the city owning it, the benefits to uh, the, what the Thunder have meant to this city is well worth keeping them in town through 2050. And I'm also, again, skeptical on what the, what what if you vote no, what those taxes would truly be allotted to, if they're truly going to be allotted to these noble issues that, that you would prefer them to be. It's easy to talk about that right now. It's easy to say that right now. But whenever you actually have the chance to do it, what will um, the, the powers that be decide to do with it? Now, coming up, we'll talk about what the benefits of a new stadium would be, what it could look like, what it could attract, and why this is happening. Plus, we're going to have your FIBA World Cup recap where we grade the FIBA run for each Thunder player who participated in the FIBA World Cup. But first, I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at Chase Medical. Chase Medical provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. It all is there for you in the Jace case. That's all it takes. You can just go ahead and go online and find them today because Jace Medical has worked for many people and it provides you those antibiotics that can really help save your life and save people you care about uh, and just is a great tool to have uh, on hand for you. You can go check them out today and save more than 300. You, you know, whenever you go use them, you save more than $360 by getting these life saving antibiotics with Chase Medical Plus, an additional $20 off by using the code locked on at checkout at chasemedical.com. That's J A S E medical.com. Everyone should be empowered to take care of themselves and their loved one during these unexpected and difficult times. Uh, so 
That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics uh, to help you out today in emergency, in case of emergency uses, and gives you that peace of mind that you have what you need on hand in case of an emergency uh, happening in your home. So check it out today with Jace Medical. Save, again, more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics at jacemedical.com slash locked on and using my code locked on, J-A-S-E medical.com code locked on. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Folks, we're talking about the new arena. We're talking about the plan that's in place to be voted upon um, come December 12th for this new arena for the Thunder. And the question would be, why do the Thunder and, and the city of Oklahoma City need this new arena? Well, it'd be huge. Like It'd be huge for the city as the city would own this arena. It would be state-of-the-art. It would be something that 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 not only has the arena itself, but I would imagine will have some tremendous amenities outside for entertainment, quality of life, and just making it a, a absolute ball around the arena to, to kind of have an all-encompassing um, entertainment plaza kind of in that area, you would have to imagine uh, factors in because you've seen kind of wh- who they're modeling off of a little bit, uh, like the Bucks and, and, and teams like that who have the outdoor uh, entertainment. You see all the time on playoff runs and stuff for, for the Bucks of fans watching it outside and being in, inside the quote-unquote deer district. You'd have a Thunder district. You can bring back Thunder Alley. You could do a lot of cool stuff. Uh, but Aside from just Thunder games, this would would allow the city to make uh, the claim for bigger attractions in, in, in the concert scene and the comedy scene and rodeos. Uh, you could hold conferences there. You could have monster trucks, WWE events, NCAA events. Uh, NBA-wise, the Thunder have made it known how much they love playing in two summer leagues, how much they love playing in two summer leagues and getting those extra reps. Uh, why not form a summer league in this time zone, the central time zone where, you know, you have the California classic, you have the Salt Lake city classic, which is where the thunder have played before Vegas. And then you can also have like the Oklahoma city classic and invite Dallas, invite San Antonio, Houston, whoever, new Orleans, whoever wants to uh, attend it to uh, just get some extra reps in for their young teams before heading out to Vegas in Oklahoma city. And of course the all-star weekend would be a thing for uh, the majority of, of these new stadiums will get all-star games as part of the kind of a package deal. So to say, you see that a lot in baseball, you know, whenever, whenever Coffin stadium got renovated, they have the all-star game When Marlins park opened up, they have the all-star game uh, and so on down the list uh, with new stadiums, getting all-star events, the thunder would likely get one with, with this new arena, uh, especially what this arena would do as a ripple effect to building more hotels and things of that nature. Uh, but you know the the massive concerts that that could come to town would be awesome. Maybe if there's another equivalent to the Taylor Swift Eras Tour could come through Oklahoma City as it missed Oklahoma City this time around. Um, I, I think it'd be great. And and the bottom line is, in my opinion, um, the whenever you compare the arena to other NBA teams and other NBA teams being like the landmarks of their cities, it's terrible. It's a terrible arena, uh, and. and we have to stop as Oklahomans having this Oklahoma attitude, which is which is prevalent among all of us uh, in Oklahoma. Uh, no matter where you live in the state, everyone has this attitude, including myself and everyone else, that like 
eh, if it's not broken, if it's not literally falling to the ground, it's good enough. Good enough is not always good enough. Like sometimes you have to improve uh, and invest in that improvement to get better. And the Thunder and the city of Oklahoma City can vote to do that on December 12th, getting the city better with this new arena. Um, so let's see what happens. I think it'll pass. I hope that it'll pass. Uh, but again, I'm not going to change anyone's mind on this. Uh, I just laid out my two cents on this whole ordeal. To me, you should not be fighting uh, in the social media streets or in the actual streets. Uh, it's just, do you want the thunder here or not? Pretty much. And it's a simple vote of yes or no. Either you do or you don't. And there's there, there can't be a more cut or dry answer than that to me. And so anything I say will be will be taken in a more biased standpoint because I do host a show called Locked on Thunder. So I get that. Uh, but I can't begrudge you either way. I think it's silly not to vote yes, but that's just me. You vote however you choose to vote. It's just that the, the vote one way or the other is going to have consequences, just like most votes do um, that we go down and vote for. So we'll see December 12th. We'll talk about it as that date nears. And, and of course, we'll talk about the results of that vote, uh, but mainly going to stay on the Thunder performance on the court. Uh, speaking of, the FIBA World Cup tournament came to an end this weekend. Team Canada earned bronze by knocking off Team USA in an overtime thriller in which uh, Canada won 127 to 118 over Team USA. SGA scored 31 points, six rebounds, 12 assists, and on a block. He shot 55% from the floor, 33% from three, and eight for eight at the line with a massive step back in overtime, which just really uh, seemed and felt like the dagger for Team Canada to win this game. SGA, let's start with him was fantastic. In eight games, he averaged, according to Synergy, 24 points, six assists, six rebounds, and two stocks per game, which is steals and rebounds, you know, steals and uh, blocks put together. Um, he also shot 54% from the floor, 30% from three, and 88% at the charity stripe, uh, and shot 45% on jump shot attempts, including 69% at the rim and 1.24 points per possession on pick-and-roll ball handling chances, which is really great. He led Team USA he was the best player on the floor in every single matchup, including versus Team USA, including versus Luka Doncic. Every matchup that you watched Team Canada play, SGA was the very best player on the floor. And he just continued to legitimize his superstar run. And I know that it, it can seem unbelievable in this day and age where you have social media, you have YouTube, you have um, you know so many podcasts and shows about the NBA that – uh, whenever you're you listening to this, obviously follow the thunder very closely. So like how you, you and your kind of bubble, so to say, think, how does it, how does no one know about SGA? What are you talking about? Whenever you say he needs more exposure, we, we saw that like people were, were stunned by how he played uh, throughout this FIBA World cup tournament or just taking it more seriously because he was doing it on a stage where people were actually watching on, on actual television uh, and, and actual full games and, and, and just, getting that exposure from the league itself on the social media platforms that the league owns uh, and just on national NBA podcasts as well. So like he got that exposure and he did not uh, disappoint. And I think that he silenced a lot of doubters as well beyond just the exposure point of it. Um, people have been hesitant to, to wonder what he'll look like next season as teams start to care about playing the thunder more and not, just rolling the ball out there and the Thunder aren't going to take people by surprise anymore. Can he be as efficient as teams start to uh, buckle down against the Thunder? Can he be more efficient and stay as efficient as he was uh, last season has been a question. The bottom line is that 
this is just SGA. No matter the combination of players around him, no matter uh, if the games matter, quote-unquote matter or not, no matter if it's a must-win game or a, a quote-unquote meaningless game in November, he's going to be a fantastic basketball player. And, and back-to-back winner-go-home games, he, he put up 30 points in back-to-back winner-go-home games. Uh, in this game in overtime against Team USA, uh, he was able to dominate, putting up 31 points, earning a bronze medal. That was the first medal for Team Canada. And I know that as Americans, we look at Team USA and we understand that's not our best team that we could send, not even close to it, but it still means something to beat Team USA. and It still means something to medal for Team Canada. And so it, it was a great performance from him. He led a team that that had expectations. His team was second favorites to win the entire FIBA World Cup. They obviously fell short of that goal. They only got bronze, but still, he had expectations on him. He had uh, different players around him. He had games where every team wants to win and, and gave it their best shot, and they still could not contain him. He had a different set of rules and a different set of refs and still got to the free throw line, even in games where he didn't rack up a terribly ton of free throws. Uh, he was able to score a lot still uh, and be efficient still. He was fantastic. And he was a superstar and he is legitimately one of the best players in the world. And you can, you can take Luka Doncic's word for it. You can take Steve Kerr's word for it. You can take Michael Bridges' word for it. Like everyone who plays him, the coaches against him, uh, understands he's one of the best in the world. And he, and he proved that on this world stage, on this international stage. And I am just fired up to watch the Olympics and watch team Canada with Jamal Murray uh, and, and SGA and, and, and Wiggins, if he plays and just the uh, healthy, hopefully team Canada versus the world. It'll be a lot of fun in general. Speaking of team Canada, you also have Lou Dort. Now talking about Lou Dort, I think this might just be who he is. And we'll talk about what that means coming up. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. Folks, subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode. Subscribe, of course, on YouTube and every other podcasting platform. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. And let's talk Lou Dort. He plays in six games, averages eight points, one assist, four rebounds, and 1.2 stocks per game. He shot 37% from the floor, 34% from three, uh, and only shot 38% at the rim. He shot 35% on catch-and-shoot looks and 47% chance, uh, 47% on spot-up chances. The, he, Lou Dort played like Lou Dort, and, and so he missed chances at the rim a lot. Like He did not impress at the rim still. Uh, but he played really, really good defense. Uh, he knocked down some some timely threes, also missed some threes, obviously, but uh, was solid overall from three-point land, uh, a little bit below average uh, at 34%. You want to kind of be at 35 36 37%, but still, you find you know, kind of performance from Lou Dort. Also dealt with some soreness uh, type of injury that held him out of a couple games, but nonetheless, Lou Dort was Lou Dort. And, and when I say that, that is just a really good player and a starting level player for the, for this Thunder team this upcoming season. But I think that you can also uh, stop holding out hope a little bit for this for this overhaul. I think it's going to be tough for that to happen. And I've been one that's been beating the drum for, let's see him with this Thunder team. You know, th- there is, to me, a pathway for Lou Dort to look overhauled in the sense of efficiency. Uh, and that pathway 
is pretty simple. It's kind of it's kind of pulling him in a little bit and reining him in. Um, we know what he can't do, but we also know what he can do. Lou Dort has never shot below 40% on corner threes in his NBA career. Those corner threes should be where he makes his money offensively. Limit him to those chances. We know that he's not a good rim finisher and never has been in his entire NBA career. In fact, you can argue it's gotten worse throughout his NBA career. You limit his chances to drive and to initiate things at the rim of his own accord. You know, kind of relegate him to corner threes and cuts. You know, since his rookie season, he's never shot below 40% from three from the corner. He's been bad from three above the break. It seems like his role could be that of a secondary kind of role player nature, and it can really help him in the long run in terms of his efficiency offensively. The issue comes from, can you rein him back in after all the leeway that you've given him the last couple of seasons with his just mindset of being aggressive versus some other players on the Thunder, their mindset of being less aggressive? Uh, How does that balance mesh together? And do the Thunder even want to rein him in? Because the Thunder might just say, we don't care about uh, every little detail of his efficiency. We want these guys to continue to develop and continue to explore. But as you creep up in age for Lou Dort, the 24 years old, you get to 24, get to 25, uh, how much more development is there to be had? And so... I think that this year, this NBA season will tell us a lot about if you can expect a different, more efficient Lou Dort. And it's not to say that it does, that does not happen. He's not a good player. He's still a good NBA player. But this is the last year where you can question, can he be efficient? If he's not efficient this year, he's just not an efficient player offensively. Bottom line, cut and dry, period. His rookie year, one, he was a rookie. But two, he was under those old two-way rules where he couldn't even practice with, practice with the team at all. So like... Forget about that year. Uh, his second year, his third year, of course the Thunder were doing different things. Of course they were experimenting. Of course they wanted him uh, to, to try out the point guard position sometimes and and give him a, a longer leash because the priority was exploring the roster and exploring uh, their developmental systems with these players of what they can be, what they can try, what they can improve upon. Last year uh, started out that way. Then you got into some games where you wanted to win, but then you also never wanted to give up on developing. So last year was weird too. This is a year where um, you have to see efficiency from Lou Dort or else it's just never going to happen for him. And even if it never happens for him, he's still going to be a good NBA player, but let's see if it can. This might just be who Lou Dort is, and I think that I'm leaning that way, that this is just Lou Dort. And it's still a good player, but it's not going to be an incredibly efficient player. Josh Giddy showed a ton of improvement. He's a special player at just 20 years old. Five games for him, 19 points, six assists, five rebounds, shot 55% from the floor, 16% from three, 65% at the free throw line. And he was getting like five or six free throw attempts per game up up from 1.7 per game as an NBA player. Five or six free throws a game is how you transform who you are as a scorer. I think that that mid-range can be an absolute weapon for him uh, that you saw him pull off that Dirk move at, at his last game of the FIBA World Cup. Uh, you also saw him lead the pick and roll very well, 1.04 uh, points per possession. He led the team. He led the show. He played under control in these intense environments, which you want to see from your 20-year-old guard. And he seemed way more comfortable hunting smaller matchups. His scoring profile can really change with an improvement of the mid-range and, and steady growth in the mid-range and also, of course, punishing uh, smaller matchups at the rim, which he's going to 
be the beneficiary of a lot in the NBA. So you have to give SGA an A+. Plus. You have to give Josh Giddy an A. And Lou Dort gets a C for just kind of being who, who we think he is, just kind of being wh- where he's at. Uh, Jack White gets an incomplete. Just briefly on Jack White, he didn't play much, so we're not going to go through all the stats, but uh, he was a a energetic player that gave effort and versatility defensively. He held his own against bigger guys uh, pretty well. The only hiccup with Jack White is has nothing to do with Jack White himself and everything to do with the product of his environment. The product of his environment is the Thunder have a lot of guys who are like Jack White. The Thunder have a lot of Jack White-like players. And so at that point in redundancy with a roster crunch upcoming, it puts you on the, the roster bubble. But he played like you wanted him to in FIBA. He didn't blow anyone away, but he did play with great um, energy, with great versatility, and just provided a stability as well. Like he was a guy that no matter what scenario the game was in, whenever you put him in the contest, no matter if he had a DNP the game before or not, you could count on him providing you what you were you know, asking him with and tasking him with. Uh, so that was impressive from Jack White, but the Thunder do have a lot of players that do uh, the exact same things. Uh, that was Bertans. Another C plus, but I would put this more towards like a B plus just because of like how good he was for his team, but a C plus in the sense of um, takeaways because he just played his role. He was electric from beyond the arc. He had moments in important games where he was red hot from three um, and he shot 38% from three, 12 points per game. He can really help this Thunder team. But as we've talked about before, there are a lot of hurdles to that because of the uh, 75% uh, of games played mark that the Thunder cannot let him get past in order to cut him next off season for $5 million. Um, I, I think that this is one of the most interesting aspects of this Thunder season of how you want to go about playing Dallas Bertans uh, because defensively, of course, he's not going to be a, a good defender, but you can hide him for 5, 10, 12 minutes a night because of what he gives you from beyond the arc. And so in certain matchups, you might see the Thunder need that shooting. And so he could provide them some valuable opportunity um, this season if he, if he remains on the Thunder roster. So up next on Lockdown Thunder, we're going to have your mailbag questions. We're also um, going to have a special guest on the podcast as well. And again, be back to five days a week from Monday all the way through next September. So uh, get ready. We are getting started here with training camp and media day coming up and then preseason. And then away we go with another season of Thunder basketball by far uh, the most exciting season of me hosting the locked on Thunder podcast and the most exciting season since like the OK three season. So that's going to be a lot of fun for this fan base, for me, for this team. We're going to follow it all here on locked on Thunder. Subscribe anywhere. You get your podcast from, and until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another.